encouraging us not to let the what-if questions get in the way of obeying the Lord. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I need to know the whole thing before I step out. What about and what if? Do you know how many people have wasted their lives with those very words that have put them into inaction? Well, what about? And until I get the what about answer, I'm not moving. But God says, you'll learn the what about when you get there. Those questions have caused so many believers to be paralyzed into inaction. And all it really is, is a form of fear. And a lot of times it is the fear of man. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You We've learned from our study of Romans chapter 12 here on Abounding Grace that God gives each believer grace and faith to do what they're called to do. And yet, as we began to consider last time, some are reticent to obey and instead offer excuses. We'll hear five classic ones today. Those excuses are found in Exodus chapters 3 and 4. Here to tell us about them is Pastor Ed Taylor. He starts things off in Exodus 3 verse 9. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And you would expect, and I would expect, that verse 11 would say, but Moses said to God, let's go. You talk to me in a bush, you know. You've been faithful to me for 80 years. Let's go. I hear you, God. But it's not. And we see at least five excuses here. You can jot them down if you like five excuses. You may have five that you lean on all the time. You might have ten. You might just have one that you go back to all the time of why you don't serve God, why you don't give of your tithes and offerings, why you don't help somebody in your name. Whatever it might be that God is bringing you into someone's life, you might have the same excuses. I mean, think about it this way. If you have a call to the mission field right now, like God has already made that clear, why aren't you gone? Why aren't you gone? What is it? Do we need to prepare you and help you? We'll be, do it. we'll be ready to do that. But if God has put a calling of missionary on you, why are you still here? It's time to go. If God has ministered to you and spoken to you, go to talk to your neighbor down the street. Why haven't you spoken to them yet? If you've seen the same lady at the cash register at King Supers and God has impressed upon your heart to talk to her about her life, why haven't you done it yet? What excuse have you developed for God? What is it that you're telling them? Oh, God, you know, no, 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 no. And it just gets tiring. What do you mean, no, no, no? It's so tiring. You're missing out. But we're missing out. Like, you're gifted. You've been put in this fellowship family for a reason. We all fit together. But there you are, sitting on your gift. (laughs) You're not going to use it. It's mine to use, and I don't want to use it. I'm not good enough. Why? What, why what, what, where did that come from? Where did you develop that? What happened? Like you, we haven't even yet to see for some of you where you're gifted. We haven't even begun to see that personality you have blossom. And so let's look at a few of these. Maybe some of them are yours. The first excuse in verse 11 is, Who am I 
that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So the first excuse is, who am I? What do you mean, who are you? You know, I can always hear God, I'm the one talking to you out of the bush, Moses. I know who you are. I don't know if you know who you are, but I know who you are. Who am I? I feel so inadequate sometimes, that sounds. I don't think I could do it. But you know, God's calling you. And it's really not a valid excuse. I love this. God says in verse 12, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. That's encouraging. The second excuse is found in verse 13. So you'd think after God says, I'll be with you, Moses is ready to go. But he says in verse 13, Now Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So excuse number two is, I don't know what to say. Or in the context of the church today, I don't know enough about the Bible. What am I supposed to say? Well, God is very clear in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And so I love that. God says, I'll tell you what to say. I'll give you the words. Just obey me. Step out in faith and obey me. You do have something to say. What I've given you, God says, that's what you say. The next excuse is in chapter 4, verse 1. You would think by now that Moses gets it, right? Like, okay, God's played with him a couple of excuses and said, okay, I'll encourage you, I'll encourage you. Now verse 1, then Moses answered and said, let's go, God. That's not what your Bible says, right? It's not what mine says. There's always that word, but. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. That word suppose, you know what it sounds like in our modern day? Well, what about this? And what if this happens? I'm not sure. I need to know the whole thing before I step out. What about and what if? Do you know how many people have wasted their lives with those very words that have put them into inaction? Well, what about? And until I get the what about answer, I'm not moving. But God says, you'll learn the what about when you get there. And what is this and what is that? Those questions have caused so many believers to be paralyzed into inaction. And really, all it really is, is a form of fear. And a lot of times, it is the fear of man. I mean, some of you, instead of stepping out of faith, you like to analyze everything. You're going to analyze it and write it down and get all the what-ifs out of the way and all the what-abouts. And isn't it true, right when you get ready to take the step, another what-if comes up. I thought I had it all figured out. You'll never have it all figured out. God will always require from us faith in him. Always. You'll never have it figured out. And you just got to stop analyzing everything. For others, you're just caught up in scrutinizing and dissecting everything. And I'm not saying that you don't step out and walk in wisdom. You definitely want the wisdom of the Lord. You want it all to line up with his word. But at the same time, if you're analyzing and scrutinizing and dissecting everything and just killing the faith that God has given you with what-ifs and what-abouts, whether it's future what-ifs and what-abouts, or it's past what-ifs or what-abouts. Moses says, well, suppose this and suppose that. And the Lord said to him in verse 2, what's that in your hand? He said, a rod. Cast it to the ground. And he cast it to the ground, verse 3, and it became a serpent. I mean, God showed him a sign. I'm with you, man. That stick in your hand, I just made it a snake. Now grab the snake and it'll be a stick again. Now that's a crazy sign right there. That's not what I do when I see snakes. I don't grab them, you know? And it shouldn't take some major sign like that for us to obey because the sign that God has given us today is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's enough, friends. We preach Jesus and him crucified and risen again. 
You're not going to get the snake in the stick thing like Moses did. You get Jesus, which is far better. Excuse, answer, excuse, answer. Then he gets to the next one, verse 10. And then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am ready to go. That's still not what my Bible says, right? Is that what your Bible says? It's still not what my Bible says. My Bible says, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. And so his next excuse is now, I can't even speak well. I don't know how to talk. I'm not good with the English or any other language for that matter. I can't talk. His first excuse is, who am I? His next excuse is, I don't have anything to say. The next one is, they won't believe me, and he what-ifs it to death. Now he is, well, okay, I got all that, but I can't even speak. You know, the idea in the Hebrew here is even deeper than that, and that is that it implies that Moses might have had a speech impediment. Like he had, you know, maybe a serious stuttering problem so that when he spoke, oh, 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 he couldn't articulate the words and it was embarrassing to him. And he was just thinking of him like, I don't know, I can't do this. It was really cool at the conference too as it all fits together. I, I didn't get a chance to meet this guy, but there's a neat guy. He's a worship leader at a fellowship and he, and he was, the testimony was spreading around where he has this serious stuttering problem when he communicates like this, but when he starts to worship, it disappears. I thought that was so cool that he just, he really needed to step over that and not worry about what people think about him. He's gifted in worship leading, even though his gift, like you go, well, you, you know, maybe you can't speak all that and people might be trying to oppress him or suppress him, but in the Lord, he was meant to lead worship and it doesn't matter what he sounds like, God has gifted him that way and here's Moses like, well, I can't speak, who am I? You know what? You can speak because God will help you with what he's called you to do. It's just another excuse, even with this natural, obvious, like, look at me, I can't speak, God. You know that. I couldn't speak before you called me. I can't speak right now. You see it. It's obvious. But what happens is there are so many things in the physical realm that make us live by sight and not by faith. Because if God has gifted you, you got to go for it, guys. Jump in. And it's okay if you have a stuttering problem. We're going to love you here. It's okay if you can't articulate your words as well as you would like. You know what? We don't judge you on the outward. It's your heart. And we want to help you become all that God wants you to be. Excuses abound. And the fear of man, the Bible says in Proverbs, is a snare. It's a trap. You stand or fall before Jesus, not before us. Well, you would think by now that Moses would get it, but he's not done with his excuses. There's still one more in verse 13. And this, I want you to let this sink down, church. Let it sink down, okay? Just absorb this one. There's still one more excuse. And Moses just finally says in verse 13, Oh, he said, Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. He just finally says, You know what? Just send somebody else. I haven't heard a word you've said. Or I don't want to believe a word you've said, so just use somebody else. I don't want to be used. I don't want to go. Just send someone else. And God, well, I, don't, I just want you to see verse 14. He says, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. This really frustrated God. His anger was kindled by Moses' disobedience. Do you ever think that God might be upset with you that you're not serving him, that it doesn't please him? 
that he is trying to draw you. He's going to condescend to your level. He's going to give you all the gifts and talents that you need. He's going to teach you and train you and lead you and help you and love you and minister to you. And then you want, you think he wants to hear, oh God, just send somebody else. Don't use me. I'm a mess. I'm no good. I can't help. That's false humility. And it's a sin of pride. And it kindles the anger of the Lord. I mean, I know for me, I am, like I said earlier, so tired of hearing about excuses. God wants to use you. We may need to help train you, or, but we'll be there to help you. We'll walk alongside of you. We realize that there's much for you to grow in, and, but that's no excuse to stay idle. It's time to step up, church, into what God wants from your life. The times are short. Excuses bug God. And he doesn't accept them. I love this. He condescends. He says, I'm going to send Aaron with you, Moses, but you're going to go. You're going to go. And it's a beautiful thing when the body serves together, where every member's functioning, where God would have them to function. So there's Moses, his call to Egypt, the call to deliver, the call to go, and God accepts none of his excuses. I love it. I just love it. Because sometimes I'll hear, you know, here in the ministry, I'll hear one of the guys on staff or one of the leaders, he'll say, you know, we were talking to so-and-so and we really thought they were gifted and they really thought they were gifted, but their answer was they just can't do it right now. You know, one of my first answers to that is, why'd you let them off the hook? You accepted their excuse. Why don't you press a little bit? Why don't you probe a little bit? Why don't you pray a little bit more? Why don't you ask the tough questions so that we might stir you up? Because once you start engaging in the ministry, this is a great place to serve, this church. It's such a wonderful place to serve, and it's a great place to learn how to serve when you go back into the world. Like you're serving among people that are going to be patient with you and help you and walk alongside of you. But you know what I have and what I hear among the excuses that we hear in Moses, there's another side to that, and that is thinking too highly of yourself. They're like, hey, we could really use you. We really need somebody to pick up the signs on the streets. And your response might be, in, the heart, in your heart, he goes, I could do that. I could really do that. That won't take much time. I'm up at work and early. I could do that. But then in your mind, you start thinking, well, you know what? That's beneath me. I'm called to greater things. Really? What's greater than serving the Lord? Oh, I'm called to greater things, you know that? Picking up signs a little bit beneath me. Or we need people to clean the sanctuary. Somebody's got to do it. So we put it out. Hey, anybody can help. And you're really good at cleaning. I mean, you're really good at cleaning. That's just your deal. I mean, you can see things nobody else sees, and, and you're just meticulous in that. And you go, I think I could do that, but no. Uh. No, what will people think of me if they just see me pushing a broom? You know what they'll think? They'll think, wow, thanks for taking care of the things that need to be taken care of. That's what they'll think. Oh, that's beneath me. You know, there's others. As we go on as a church, year after year, there might be some need. And the danger is you might say, well, I don't do that anymore because I have seniority. I've been here for a while, so that's beneath me. I've been around. I've, I've paid my dues. And I don't do those kind of things anymore. No, what happened is you just lost your heart of servanthood and you need to repent. There's no seniority here. There's no ladder to climb. There's no position to attain to. We're all just servants, man. That's it. We're all, and when we serve together and it all fits together as God intended, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. In my email box on Friday, I was, a note was forwarded to me. I love these. Pastor Ed. Now, it's addressed to me, but I'm sharing it with you because it really should be addressed to you. This email could never occur if there wasn't body ministry going on here, if things weren't taken care of by servants. 
by people that volunteer, by people that are supported in the ministry by the tithes and offerings. This, this email could never exist without it. So it's addressed to me, but it really should be addressed to you. It says, Pastor Ed, I wanted you to know that I gave my life to Christ driving down Foothills Highway in Boulder while listening to your radio program in October of 2004. At the time, God was wooing me in so many ways, but it was your sermon about how baptism is not enough and that we must be born again and you're leading people to Christ at the end of the program that was the clincher. It was an amazing experience, it still is. I was baptized as an infant, brought up in what I thought was a Christian home. We went to church once in a while and prayed a quick prayer at dinner, so I thought I was fine, I thought I was saved. I pray you continue to teach the message I heard that day, the message that brought me from surface religion and a completely false security into the loving arms of my God that has changed me beyond measure. Now that would be enough, right? You're like, oh. That's so encouraging. But there's one more paragraph. Thank you for allowing God to use you in such amazing ways. Keep it up. Lots of prayers for your ministry and all those people who have the courage to stand up and make the best decision of their lives. Oh, by the way, since October 2004, my husband, my daughter, and my sister have come to Christ too. Isn't that incredible? Amen. Amen. <laughs> this letter and note is addressed to me, but it really should be addressed to you. As you co-labor in the ministry, and as you serve the Lord with joy and gladness, I get to do what God's called me to do. You get to do what God's called you to do. And the call to Moses, go, they're ready to be delivered. The call to us in Aurora right now. The heart of our ministry to win, disciple, and send. The call to us is, I can hear God saying, there are a people in Aurora, in the city that you live in, there's the metro area around the United States, around the world this ministry touches. Listen, there's a call. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are bothered and burdened. They need you. I've sent you. A people that need help. And you might say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yahoo, great message, Ed, Yahoo. I'll be sure to pray about that this week. Yeah, I'll pray. You know, I might throw one up at, uh, at breakfast. God, send people to Aurora. They need, they need somebody. I'll pray about it. You know, I might write in my journal, you know, my little note right here, Romans chapter 12. I'll just let me see. Give me get a pen here. Oh, that's right. Ed, that's, yeah, he raised his voice again today. And uh, <laughs> he wants me to pray to send people because God wants to help Aurora. Great. And then the Bible goes in your back seat. And then you start thinking, well, my prayer life's not even really what it needs to be anyway, so I probably won't pray. I might remember, maybe. I mean, that's just a little bit too much. I didn't know Christianity was going to expect anything of me or that God would really want to use me. And, and listen, God's call is to you individually. He doesn't want you just praying about it. He wants you actively involved. Because I promise you, if you do seriously pray... And I'm not discouraging prayer, but if you do seriously pray, I already tell you the answer to that prayer. The answer to that prayer is I'm sending and I want to use you. I want you to open your mouth. God says, I want you to serve. I want you to overcome some of the shortcomings. I know you've got trials in your life right now. We all have trials in our lives. Persevere. Endure. I know there's great sorrow and sadness in your life. We all have areas of sorrow and sadness in our lives. So persevere and endure. Let God be a comfort to you. Step up. Serve. Give. 
Engage. The time is short. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is at hand, church. He is coming again soon. And what is he's calling from us is to think soberly. God, you can use me. You want to use me. You will use me. And the people in my life, you know, you are, you are in touch with so many people that would never receive from me. As soon as they hear that I'm a pastor, there's a wall that's built immediately. But for you, you're like their friend, their co-worker. There's no walls with you. They let you into their life. I know they may not hear, want to hear about Jesus, but they need to hear about Jesus, don't they? And I don't want you leaving here just, oh, that's great. Don't think too high of yourself. Don't think too low of yourself. Think soberly. Get an app ministry application today, church. Get it, fill it out, pray over it, and turn it in. Start planning right now. Set aside six weeks of your life, 12 hours of your life, and allow me to help you learn how it is and what it is to be a servant of the Lord. I commit to you that I will pour myself into those six weeks. That I will take whatever extra time I need to take to serve you in this area. I feel that strong about it. I'll rearrange my schedule for you so that I can be available to serve you and to help you because I know once that switch is flipped in your life, you'll never go back. I know it. You will become enthralled with serving Jesus Christ. But I can't do it without you. And the needs of this fellowship continue to grow. The needs of this city continue to grow. And I believe God's hooked us up, brought you to be a part of this fellowship family for such a time as this. And if you're ready, I'm ready. And you know, God's always ready to use you, to bless you, to forgive you, to comfort you, to encourage you. Be sober-minded, right in line with God. Let me read this to you as we close. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? So walk humbly. Walk sober-minded. It's time to rise up and get involved. Jump in and let the Lord use you. Amen? Amen. What an exciting prospect. What potential awaits those who will humbly step out in faith and fulfill their God-given call? You've been listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. You can hear the study again anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. It's there you can also listen to and subscribe to our podcast. Pastor Ed, in today's teaching, you addressed common excuses, and it no doubt inspired many to obey the call of God. But can you give a word to those who have put themselves forward and are not seeing the results they expected to see? You know, Larry, it can be very discouraging when our expectations don't meet the results that we're currently seeing. And so I would say to those listening in, if that describes your life right now, take your discouragements to the Lord. Uh, It's common. It's common to have high expectations, but then to take time to see that fulfilled. And remember, God's goals aren't always your goals. And God is, his goal is to conform you into the image of Christ. Your goal might be to do this and have that and 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 step out in faith and 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 then you thought if I stepped out in faith then it would be this and I'd be here by now but God doesn't think like that. God he sees your faithfulness and uses it to develop the inward man and the inward woman. Be encouraged that nothing is wasted by God. Nothing. Nothing's wasted by God as you step out in faith obeying what you believe God is telling you to do. God is at work, 
and there are results. The only problem is, is they're not what you expected to see. And listen, it's good to have our expectations changed, shifted, and rearranged so that we pray and agree with God, don't we? We pray and say, God, I want your will on earth as it is in heaven. I don't want my will in heaven as it is on earth. And that's just something you're learning right now. But God is at work, and the results are phenomenal because that sanctification process in your life is making you more and more like Christ. Good stuff there. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. How close are we to the end? And is Jesus coming soon? Questions like these are being asked during the global pandemic. Don Stewart looks into this in a book we'd like to get into your hands. It's titled, 25 Signs We Are Near the End. Don examines what the Bible has to say about coming events and what will take place at the time of the end. And he does so in an easy-to-understand manner. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. It's your generous support that helps us come to you each day on this station, so thank you for standing with us in this difficult time. Call 877-30-GRACE, and we can take your resource request. If you'd just like to make a donation to the ministry, that can be done with relative ease online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through the app. We'll pick up where we left off in Romans next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Be blessed. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 